I don't wanna be the boy that runs in the back I don't wanna be the kid that falls in the dark All I really want to be is the guy that gets that girl Welcome to the AJ Steele Show We discuss politics, sex, money, and everything in between And now, here's your host, an immigrant a self-made millionaire, an American, A.J. Steele. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the A.J. Steele Show. Sometimes in life we find ourselves in the eye of the storm. It could happen to a child whose father fought for his country in Vietnam, and lost his way because of the horrors that he saw over there. It could happen to brave Americans who served their nation and are shoved to the end of the line when it comes to their nation giving back. Or it could happen because of a tweet. A tweet by a woman who dedicated her entire life to helping veterans, men and women who were forgotten and left behind. Yesterday, we had an interview with a lady just like that, who is currently living in the eye of the storm. And in many ways, she stands tall to face it without any fear or second thoughts. A couple of weeks ago, we booked Gretchen Smith on our show. She is the founder of Code of Vets, a charity dedicated to helping needy American veterans. She was charming and wonderful and patriotic and opinionated and even funny. And a day, just a day after our interview, one of her tweets to our combined followers of over half a million people exploded and went completely viral. She wrote, I am not responsible for your student debt. I grew up in poverty, ate from a garden. My name was on the community angel tree for Christmas. I bought clothes from yard sales, and if I was lucky, on rare occasions from Sky City. I joined the Air Force, then went to college. I made it happen. Well, this tweet touched a nerve, and close to 100,000 people liked it. And what followed this little storm that Gretchen created was that some social media companies actually removed this post and dared to restrict her account. But Gretchen isn't a wilting wallflower. She fought right back. And just like the ex-soldier that she is, she hit him right between the eyes with interviews on Fox News, Comcast Radio, and many other of the corporate media giants, which, believe it or not, our little podcast beats in the ratings on a regular basis. But getting back to Gretchen, it wasn't over for her yet, not even by a long shot. Despite all the accolades she received for her honest words, she also took many incoming attacks from unhinged progressive lefties, men and women who haven't done a single thing for their nation other than take and take and still ask for more. Tens of thousands of these lowlives attacked her for her service to our nation, Yes, she did serve in the Air Force for three years. They attacked her for her whiteness and then for her supposed privilege. Some of these ugly folks who dare call themselves feminists and anti-misogynists even had the nerve to attack her for her looks. And believe me, she is a beautiful woman on the inside and on the outside. And maybe that's why they're so angry to begin with. Either way, I don't think Gretchen Smith is going to bend or apologize for who she is and what she stands for. She's a real American and I doubt that giving up is in her DNA. Our interview with her covered many things that major media would never dare talk about. We talked about her growing up poor with a veteran father who just couldn't cope with life. 
We talked about her charity and the plight of veterans, and we touched on her love of the South. After the interview, I reflected a little bit about what she had to say, and I realized that everything she did and does comes from her one simple basic place, the love of a little girl for her father and her need to make him proud. Well, I'm sure that her father is smiling down at her from heaven. I'm sure that she has made him very proud. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the AJ Steele Show. We're constantly hitting new highs, and we just recently reached the top 10 in Ireland and Panama, not to mention the top 40 here in the U.S. and Canada. I will never ask you for money or any other help other than that you subscribe to our show and spread the word to all of your friends and family so that we can continue doing what we do. I'm going to take a short break, and when we come back, you will hear our wonderful interview with Gretchen Smith, founder of Code of Vets. This is AJ Steele. The AJ Steele Show. Think of your loudmouth best friend, hated by all the wives, because he tells it just like it is. Hi, Gretchen. Welcome to the AJ Steele Show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. And all of us here, we've all been following your extremely popular Code of Vets social media pages and even your private Gretchen Smith Twitter account for quite a while now. And you seem to have the energy of at least 10 women. Could you begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself and also how you started your wonderful organization, Code of Vets? Well, I am a mountain girl. I was born and raised in the mountains of North Carolina. You know, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Spruce Pine, North Carolina, um, and over in Waynesville, too. But I'm from both places. But anyway, it's, it was such a unique upbringing, you know, just growing up in the mountains and, you know, being sheltered to an extent, not a lot of diversity. So had some issues, and we'll get into that with my dad being a combat vet and, you know, some really some struggles with him. And it just, you know, there was a domino effect throughout the family, caused some harm and hardship. But overall, you know, we all persevered. Um, but it, it was such a beautiful way to grow up in the mountains, in the woods, um, just a very simple lifestyle. We grew up in a garden. We were very poor. Um, but it, it just really instilled in me a sense of, you know, what is out there? I want to go see the world. I, I want to do better than where I'm at in life. Um, and, and that was the drive that gave me to join the military. Not only did my dad instill a sense of patriotism with his service, um, but, you know, I wanted to get out there and see America uh, and the world. So I joined the Air Force. You know, I didn't have a lot of guidance as what else to do, but I knew I could join the military. And that's what I did. And, you know, what? in a sense, it saved my life. Because it got me out of, you know, some dysfunction and it just placed me out into the real world and it just really broadened my scope. And the tools that I learned and the traits that I learned while I was in the Air Force just really um, helped me grow up to become a stable adult and to uh, create my version of the American dream. The discipline, the structure, the that military family that you get when you serve. And you know, I did serve three years overseas. And it was also important in molding me and shaping me and who I am as a young woman. And and I met my husband over in Germany. We got married. And it just was a beautiful, beautiful time over there. I'll never forget it. It's three years, you know, quite a long time to spend overseas. 
And when I came back home, I was just thankful to be back in the United States. You know, just that it just gave me a, just a different perspective of, you know, living overseas and coming back home. And I, I looked at things differently and I understood more, you know, how, how important our freedoms are and how unique our country is. Uh, so, I, and that really impacted me. It had a profound impact, actually, and has carried through to, to today is that deep sense of loyalty to our flag, to Old Glory and everything she represents. So anyway, fast forward a few years now, you know, I've, you know, raised my children, I, you know, we're empty nesters and I've got all this time on my hands. So that's where Code of S comes into play. So what caused you to do this? So was it your service in the military or was it something else? Yeah, it was my dad. You know, my dad, we ended up losing dad in 2005 to his battle with PTSD. He was a very troubled spirit. Uh, I wasn't born yet when he got back from Vietnam. You know, my mom shared some just horror stories about what she went through with dad when he first got back. Um, I do want to say, though, when he stepped off the plane with his brothers in arms, they did have some coffins, uh, fly draped coffins with them. Um, they had lost some of their own. My dad's best friend um, was killed right beside him. And so dad experienced a lot of trauma in the jungle. And he he's, he actually uh, served two tours as well. Uh, and he's a Bronze Star recipient. In my, my eyes and my mind, my dad's a war hero. Um, but he, when they stepped off that plane, um, there were protesters there. They were throwing things at them, uh, rotten tomatoes, rotten vegetation. They had um, poster boards baby kill, that said baby killers. And, you know, they were screaming profanities. And that's, you know, I just can't I can't tell you as a daughter how that impacts me to hear that my dad went through that. It just it's just so uncalled for. And, but, you know, the, I guess the division back then um, is something, you know, similar to what we're going through now. It's just something hard. It's hard to wrap your mind around fellow Americans um, throwing things and, and showing such disrespect to men and women who, you know, who are serving the country. And, you know, so when mom was sharing those stories, it really tugged at my heart and it kind of helped me to understand dad a little bit better because he was so chaotic. His behavior on the outside was chaotic, and I believe it was a direct reflection of how he felt on the inside. Uh, and he did reach out for help at the VA over in Asheville, North Carolina, and he told him, he said, you know, I'm falling apart. If I keep going down this path, I'm going to end up dead. And they basically told dad, you know, to suck it up, to be a man, and to never speak it, speak of it again, to shove it way down deep. And that was the wrong thing to say. Um, dad carried, carried that PTSD and what he had done and witnessed um, around as long as he could until it crushed him. It crushed his spirit. And not too long before dad died, I, I sat down with him. You know, I was I was an adult and after my service and, you know, I had my children and I was crying. I said, you know, I said, dad, what are you doing? You know, we need you. We need you to get it together. And he looked at these big tears rolling down his face and he said, she's he, he said, Gretchen, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting them. They've won and I'm ready to go home. And he meant it. I mean, just the, there was a, just a look in his eye um, that I, I can't describe. He, the, the life had had gone out of his his eyes and he was ready, ready to leave this world. He just was a broken spirit. And so, you know, I, when, once I raised my kids, I, I carried that story in my heart that I had with dad. And I wanted to do something to honor him. I wanted to leave a legacy for him. And I wanted to share his story because his life mattered. And so I started Code of Vets, a Twitter page, and I started talking about him. 
sharing his journey as a daughter, you know, when I shared that I'm a vet, but it was specifically from, you know, a daughter's point of view. And it just really resonated in the veteran community out on the social media world. And it exploded in growth and veterans started sharing their journeys and their stories. And, and they messaged me and say, hey, Gretchen, I'm on that path your dad was on or I've been there uh, and I did make it through. And so it just organically evolved into this beautiful 501c3. And just at the right moment, you know, my par- my partner, Dr. Cindy Walter, who has the capability and skill set of vetting veterans, and she's a professional advocate, has been for many years. We crossed paths and talked, and she said, Gretchen, she said, I think we can really do something special with Code of Vets. And so we became partners, and I established the 501c3, and it just took off. <laughs> it just... You know, we have our website, kidofvets.com, where veterans go to. They fill out a vet need form. Um, Cindy vets them. And then, he, you know, determines, you know, what kind of uh, wraparound they need to stabilize them long term. We're not an ATM machine. We don't just hand them money and that's it. Um, and and, and if, if there is a case that needs that, then that's fine. You know, we'll give them their funds and they'll be on their merry way. But in, in a lot of cases, they need uh, guidance. And what we'll do is we'll introduce them to the local entities in their area or we'll partner with those entities to make sure that these vets stabilize. We do a lot of homeless veterans and a lot of at risk for homeless veterans. Mm. Oh gosh. We, I think 900 homeless veterans came through our system last year. So it's just crazy. We work seven days a week (laughs) and uh, you know, it's nonstop. I was just on the phone with her before this interview when we were going over case after case after case, you know, talking through a lot of them, what the needs are. And it's just, you know, talking about the funding, which funding is drying up right now which is understandable given, you know, inflation where we're at in our country right now economically. But, oh, my gosh, it's just so overwhelming what CodeVets has has turned into. It's beautiful. It's a national social media platform for veterans who are in crisis or really struggling. And we assist them in every state across the country. It's absolutely incredible. It sounds like in many ways you're atoning for your father's pain and um, maybe for the sins of our government. I wanted to tell you a little bit about why veterans are so important to me personally. For beginners, my son-in-law is an officer in the military, and his wife was my eldest daughter, was a selfish sergeant in the Army until they got married and they started a family. And I have a cousin who served several combat missions in Afghanistan, and he was even uh, Saddam Hussein's guard in Iraq when they wow. captured him. Yeah. But the real reason why I've always been so much in awe of the American veterans is the fact that they were the ones who liberated my grandmother from Auschwitz, from the concentration camps after a horrific death march. And if it wasn't for these boys, I should say men, but they were boys really, I wouldn't have been here today. And neither would my kids or grandkids. So in many ways, I owe everything in my life to these brave GIs. And that's a debt I could never fully repay. Gretchen, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I have a lot of questions for you. This is the AJ Steele Show. You are listening to the AJ Steele Show, where no topic is off limits, no discussion too harsh, no truth more true. The AJ Steele Show, we tell it like it is. Gretchen, my first question to you about your charity specifically is about money. A lot of people don't know how charities operate, and they think that all the money that they donate always goes directly to help the people they're supposed to help. But in many cases, it doesn't work that way. We all heard about Black Lives Matter, and they're activists who are buying million-dollar homes from donations, and 
just last week, I heard that the president's beloved son, his dead son, Bo Biden, he had a foundation called the Bo Biden Foundation, which was interestingly set up to help child abuse. So anyway, they, they donated 58% of every dollar that they got to the abused kids, and they pocketed 42% for overhead. And it gets a lot worse. This is not the only place. There's a lot of charities out there who basically take most of the money they collect and use it for overhead. For example, the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, they take 82%. The National Vietnam Veterans Foundation takes 88% of every dollar they get. And believe it or not, the Walker Cancer Research Institute, and I'm just naming a few, they use 96.4% for overhead of every dollar they collect. That means that only 3.6 cents actually goes to the cancer research. So my obvious question to you and what my listeners want to know is how much money does Code of Vets take for operating costs? I love that question <laughs> because we operate on 2%. And, you know, we're, we're incredibly unique. I feel like we are uh, charting a new path in the world of nonprofits uh, simply because we, we found a way to fundraise and it's strictly on social media platforms and we have very little overhead. We have very little cost. So I, you know, run Code of Vets out of my home. My partner, Dr. Cindy Walter, she runs her end, you know, with the vetting the vets and the case management out of her home. So there's no brick and mortar. We do not take a paycheck. She's a retired executive. She has her PhD in public health. She's a vast, you know, wealth of resources and uh, just she's very knowledgeable. And then on my end, I do the fundraising. I run all the social media platforms and, you know, the business end of the finance piece of it. And so as funds are being raised from individual missions of veterans, when I post them out on um, social media, specifically Twitter, uh, there's a PayPal link and we have one pot of money and we triage our cases. So as I'm putting these cases out and funding is coming in, I'm sitting here at home literally sending the funding to the veterans. We do not sit on the money. We've raised millions of dollars. I think we're at six million, maybe a little over six at this point. I'm still waiting on the final numbers from 2021. The, the CPA firm is wrapping that up for me. I'll have that out shortly on the website. But it's so exciting to see the, all of the funding coming in because I'm sitting here pushing it out. And I don't think people realize that when I say I've raised six million dollars, we do not have six million dollars sitting in a bank account. And we're not using that six million dollars, you know, to to cover a bunch of bills. Basically, our bills are a CPA firm, an attorney as we need it. I had to fight for my trademark for Kate of Vets. So we have a few little bills behind the scenes. But for the most part, 98 <laughs> percent gets gets right to that vet. So it's amazing. It's it's again, I don't think there's another org that operates the way we do. And I would love to see more that pop up that are social media driven. Uh, where where you actually can do that because I think this is true charity. This is how a nonprofit should truly work. You know, and I do not need a paycheck. We have a blessed life, and I'm able to sit here all day, every day, and just give my heart, my passion, my energy to the veteran community. It's it's my mission, and I feel like God has called me to do this. It's a calling, um, and I think that's why I work so hard. Um, but I've never had so much joy or so much fulfillment in my entire life, aside from my children than working for Code of Vets. But I'm really, really uh, excited when I get to talk about that 2% because I, that's a big deal. And, and that really goes to show you that Code of Vets is about the veterans. Like we're all about stabilizing them and, and giving them a second shot at life because I want them to know that you don't have to walk this path alone. You've got brothers and sisters out there who love you. Your nation loves you. Give us a chance to help us, you know, stabilize you. And let's see what you can do with your path moving forward. You know, 
That's incredible. 2%. That's amazing for a major charity that takes in millions of dollars. I started the show by saying that you have the energy of 10 women, but, but now I think that you work harder than 100 women. And you know, Gretchen, I, I know we do an audio podcast so people don't get to see you, but I only wish they got to see the beautiful smile you had when you told me about this. And there's a nice genuineness about you that I really appreciate. Now, getting a bit personal, could you tell our listeners about the kind of men and women that you've helped and what kind of difference Code of Vets made in their lives? Yeah, I, I'm going to do like a, a two different, two prongs. Uh, some is emotional support and then others is, you know, the financial. So there's one really powerful phone call that will, will stick with me until the day I die. Uh, I do a lot of work. I, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. That's where our largest platform is. And I got a message from a veteran and it simply said, will you call me? And it was and left a number. So I called and said, hey, it's Gretchen with Code Vets. And um, he said, you know what? He said, you don't know me. You don't know my name and you don't need to. He said, I just needed to talk to you. He said, I needed to tell you that last year you saved my life. And he said, uh, I was going through a hell of a divorce. He said, I was afraid I'd never get to see my kids again. And he said, I'm just going to be honest. I have a, I have an alcohol problem. And he said, I was sitting at my kitchen table. And he said, I had a gun in one hand. And he said, my phone was in the other. And he said, my phone vibrated. And he said, I looked down at my phone and it was a tweet from Code of Vets. And it was a it was a tweet about hope. And he said, I clicked on that tweet and started reading the replies from the other veterans. And he said, that day I chose differently because of you. And it's that literally when I even share that story, it just gives me goosebumps. I'll never forget it. It's just just the power of social media, those platforms. It can truly save lives. It can be used for something good, for something powerful. And that's what we're doing out there every day is we're sharing hope. We're letting these veterans know they're not alone. And, you know, I've had other veterans that would message me and say, hey, Gretchen, I don't you know, I don't get out there and tweet a lot or I'm not active on social media very much, but I do follow your tweets about veterans and, you know, all the, the posts about hope and help. And they're like, you guys are making a real difference. Please keep doing what you do. And, you know, I just, there were just so many messages like that. And then on our finance end, oh my goodness, we've, we've got so many incredible stories. We had a, a single dad, a, a veteran with five kids living in a van and we actually found them through a newspaper article and we reached out to the person who wrote it and they they gave us his contact info and we had to be very careful because when situations like this child services can get involved Mm -hmm. so how to keep those things kind of behind the scenes but anyway we worked with the dad you know he lost his job they ended up they were living paycheck to paycheck as a lot of american families do that's nothing out of the norm and ended up in the van so, you know, Cindy helped him with his resume. He ended up finding a job. Uh, we raised money uh, for him uh, for an apartment for him and his children and covered the first couple months of rent, the security deposit, the utility turn-on fees. And then we did an Amazon wish list and we filled that apartment with everything they needed. They didn't have beds. They didn't have forks and spoons. You know, they, they needed it all. So we did it all. But we do stuff like that all day, every day. <laughs> this is one story of we've... we've We've assisted over 3,500 vets since we've been in existence. So thousands of vets have benefited from the Code of Vets platform. And that's just one phenomenal story. But we also assist veterans who are unclaimed and they're deceased. And we've had veterans who've been laying in a morgue in a cooler for three months, nine months, and nobody's claimed them. 
And, you know, word has gotten out and we do have funeral directors that will contact Code of Vets and say, hey, we have a veteran that's been, you know, X amount of time. Um, and we'll say we will claim them. We will claim my brother in arms and I will raise the money and we will get them the funeral service that they deserve. So that's another arm of Code of Vets. And right now we're, we're really focusing on and we're really seeing a trend, you know, because of all the inflation, there's a lot of evictions. I've, I've got it right now. We've got right now we have 69 veterans facing eviction. And what's happening is our veterans who are on the uh, HUD VASH vouchers, uh, the landlords are increasing the rent or, or at least the rent's going up. But guess what? The vouchers don't go up. And uh, these these are at risk veterans. These are some of our vets have been homeless once, twice, three times. You know, and it's hard to break that cycle long term. They end up getting sucked back in. If anything goes wrong, anything financially goes wrong, they're they're homeless again. So we're noticing that these vouchers, this program is causing vets to go homeless because they're not keeping up with inflation or they refuse to make those adjustments. So this is a nationwide trend. This is not just in one state. We're dealing with, you know, vets all over the country. So that's something that that's what I was just on the phone with Cindy about. We're trying talking through all these cases, these eviction cases. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where the heck are these coming from? And that's what she was explaining. Gretchen, this is much larger than us. She's like, this is like you're, you're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands of veterans who are going through this. We're just you know, we've got we're dealing with 69. So it's just crazy. You know, we, we see these different trends at different times. Gretchen, there's an old Hebrew saying that goes like this. He who saves just one life saves the world entire. And it sounds to me like you have already saved many worlds. So I truly applaud you for that. And with those words, I want to take a short break. And we will be right back on the AJ Steele Show. AJ Steele, not right, not left, just right. Like I said earlier, I've been following your story for years now, and I know there's two sides of you. One is a founder and a tireless promoter of your wonderful charity, and the other one is a social media influencer who doesn't mince words, right? <laughs> so... You tell everyone exactly how you feel and what you feel about everything that's going on in our country and world. How do you balance those two sides? And is it difficult to be torn in so many directions? It is because I have such a heart for our nation. And I get that from my dad. My dad was the most patriotic man I'd ever met in my life. Um, and, and he passed that on to me. So it's very genuine and from the heart. So I know I'm the founder of a nonprofit and I have to be very careful, but, and I have to do tell you because this plays into what we're talking about. Someone did, um, submit a complaint with the IRS about me and my politics because I am the founder of you know, vet org. And I went through a, an investigation and it was very intense and it was, it was actually really scary because I'd never been through anything like that in my life. Um, and they literally went through every document. I mean, we had a financial colonoscopy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I have to tell you, at the end of the investigation, there was a phone call. Uh, you know, my I have signed power of attorney over to my uh, CPA firm. My partner, uh, Cindy, was on the phone. And we were, you know, it was a, a discussion. And the IRS investigator said something. He said, you know what? He said, generally, I don't get to do this. He said, but I'm taking my investigator hat off for this particular conversation. 
and we're just going to talk informally. And he said, I just want to thank you, Gretchen, for your service and what you continue to do for our country. He said, you run a superb organization. It's one of the best out there, and we want you to be around for a very long time. He said, Jess, <laughs> keep your politics on your personal page mm-hmm. and off of your code of ethics page. <laughs> it was, a, you know, it's amazing. So there, there's a fine line you have to walk there. And I, I learned some really valuable lessons because I started this nonprofit organically. There was no business plan. I don't know about the world of nonprofit. I'm literally learning as I go. So I did not know what I was allowed to do and what I couldn't do. But he made it very clear. Like he said, you know, he set the boundaries. He's like, you cannot promote candidates. You cannot say vote for this person. You cannot say send money to this person or, you know, but you can talk about the trends in the country or all the latest hot topics. He said, you can, you have a right to that opinion. So I, I figured out what I can and can't do. <laughs> it was a painful lesson to learn because there was a lot of stress involved, you know, for a few months. But at the end, I just was so excited and proud, you know, of what he, what he said to Cindy and I. I mean, we worked so hard with Code of Vets and just poured our heart into it. And it's not about paychecks. And again, he was blown away by that 2%. You, he's like, your transparency, you know, you guys go above and beyond. Because we have two separate CPA firms, the one that reconciles our funds every month and does our annual reports and quarterly reports. And then we have a CPA firm that comes in and audits, audits us once a year. And that he's like, you guys, that's it. He's like, you guys keep on that path and you're, you guys are golden. <laughs> but yeah, I have, yeah, I love speaking out. I love talking politics. It's just because we're in such a odd or unique place in history right now. Just the division is, it's palpable. We all feel it. Uh, and I feel like I have to speak out as an American, as a veteran. I have to say what's on my heart because I feel like I'm defending our nation from an attack that, you know, we're defending our republic. We have a constitution. We have family values. We have the American way of life, the American dream. And I feel like all of it's being stripped away from us. And if we don't stand up and speak out about it, um, we could lose it. A lot of people feel exactly the way you do, and that's why you're so popular, in my opinion. Now, I'm not going to try to do anything to hurt you with the IRS, and I know you can't really talk specifically about candidates, but I have a question that covers both sides of the aisle. To me, it seems that most Democrats and Republicans only care about our vets when it's Veterans Day or Fourth of July or when they're out there trying to get the vote or planning a new war. That's when they all start waving the flag and they shed crocodile tears and the veterans this and the veterans that. Do you feel that government in general pays enough attention to veterans and their needs, especially after they're done with a service completely? No, absolutely not. As a nation, we have failed our veteran community. And and ever since, you know, I've started Code of Vest, that's where I've learned um, what goes on behind the scenes. And veterans are put last, actually. They are last on the list, unless it's Veterans Day or Memorial Day weekend. Everybody's, you know, kind of trotted out beside the politicians and, you know, they shed the tears and they talk about how important the veterans are in, in, in our service. But I do not feel that um, on a day-to-day basis. I do not feel that that commitment there, that that there's no action behind those words. And that's why we're so covered up in work. We have a line of veterans that we will never get through. There's just not enough funding out there. Uh, one or can't touch them all. There's no way. We, we all have to do our part and do as much as we can. But our government is putting other people, refugees, illegal immigrants in front of veterans. The, the reason why we have a country is the men and women who served and put that uniform on. And for me to see somebody get a voucher before a veteran or food stamps before a veteran, or you'll have to come back because, you know, we've run out of uh, 
vouchers if, if you were with children and illegal. We've had veterans tell us they've been told this by caseworkers. That is unacceptable in our nation. Veterans should be put first. And it's just absolutely, it's just infuriating. And it, it, it drives me even more to do more uh, when, I, when I hear these veterans tell this. And, you know, they, they were trying to cut the caregiver program in the VA recently. And we had a veteran who was blind. He literally had his eyeballs removed from his head from the damage of the IED explosions. And they were trying to tell him they, they reduced his caregiver. His wife was his caregiver. They reduced their money by $1,200 per month, meaning she had to go out and get a job just, just so they would be able to pay their bills. Guess what? How is he supposed to function? Uh, he, they have three small children. How is he supposed to monitor and watch their children? What if one of them wanders outside? He can't go out and find them. How is he supposed to see his medication to take it? She was there for him to make sure he was getting the proper dosage at the proper time and make sure it got into his mouth. And that's what we're dealing with cases like that. That is a disgrace when the government rips away a program like that, that impacts a veteran on such a basic daily, you know, on their life. And it's it, for me, it, there, there's no sense in it. Um, and so they have put a pause on the caregiver program on making those cuts. But guess what? They made a lot of cuts, <laughs> you know, and we're still fighting to get that blind veteran back his caregiver status. He's earned that. And then some. that's the least we can do for him. I'm going to tell you, he feels betrayed by his country. Gretchen, he feels betrayed because he was betrayed by his country. And that's a crying shame. I'm going to take our final break now. And we will be back with Gretchen Smith, founder of Code of Vets. The AJ Steele Show. Think of your loudmouth best friend, hated by all the wives, because he tells it just like it is. Look, I live in California. I live in Northern California. And everybody's put ahead of their veterans here. The drug addicts, the illegal aliens, LGBTQ, every freak show gets put ahead of them. And I'm very familiar with the VA because I used to run hospitals in another life. And I know many doctors and social workers who work for it. Our last president, Donald Trump, enacted some rules that were supposed to help it run more efficiently, including the ability to fire poor employees regardless of tenure. Do you feel that today's VA is better than, let's say, 10, 15 years ago? No, no. Uh, we're, we're seeing more and more issues. It's such a huge <laughs> I don't, bureaucracy. It's a huge organization. It's just there's millions. Nine, they service nine million veterans. You know, Cindy and I talked about it because she's in the public health sector um, and has some expertise in, the, in this area. She said that the pharmacy needs to be totally removed from the VA system. It needs to be out on its own. We need to pull some of the things out of the VA because it's just too much. They they do not properly manage all of the we have. There's enough funding. Don't get me wrong. The funding is managed, and they send these funds to all these different contracts through the VA, and then they don't use the money in the way that they should. The, the money trickles down, and literally the vet ends up getting pennies on the dollar, which is why we get the inconsistent care that we get. And it's not getting better. It's not getting better. It's. I feel like it's slowly getting worse. 
And I feel like if enough of us at the grassroots level had communication with the top and saying, hey, we're 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 in the weeds with these guys. You know, we're, we're the ones that are, you know, helping one vet at a time. Let us tell you some of the things that we're seeing as a trend on our level. And let's see what you can do at the top to remedy it. Because what they do is they fly over 30,000 feet high above our work. And then they make all these policies and you put them in, in place. They don't make sense. It's not practical. Uh, it's just unbelievable. You know, I, I was just talking about a young Marine vet who's 27 years old, Purple Heart recipient. It really struggles with his PTSD. Um, was on the phone with his mom and a caregiver or a doctor's office. And he had just gone to the DOD uh, and had a, a doctor's appointment where they had diagnosed him with asthma and some pulmonary issues. And, but the VA doctor, the pulmonologist at the VA said, you have zero allergies and you do not have, <laughs> you know, any OPD, which is, it goes directly against what the DOD doctor said. And he literally flipped out. Uh, so there's no continuity of care. They do not communicate. And this VA doctor was being very ugly and rude and aggressive with this Marine because she said, well, we, we don't have to deal with our doctors outside of the VA system. OK, so this doctor is a DOD vet, you know, employee. You guys are all federal employees at the end of the day. So it just it doesn't make sense to me. Some of the, the milestones that these Veterans have to try to push through in order to get their benefits or to get their prescription or to get their appointment. It sets them over the edge, especially the ones with TBI or PTSD. It's too much for them to handle. And, and that's why I believe our suicide is as high as it is. That's a component is that they get incredibly frustrated from battling their own government. You know, we could talk about bureaucracy for hours. And we know that anything that is run by the government is not efficient and not fair in many cases. Here in California, and I'm sure even where you live, uh, illegal aliens, when they have a little cold, they get into ER and they plug up ER and they get all the best services, but veterans can't get any help at all. I wish we could talk some more, but time is just flying by. Could you please tell our listeners how they can find out more information about Code of Vets and how they can donate to your charity? Please go to the website, codevets.com, because we do have our um, our media, our social media links there. You can, you'll can you be able to find us throughout all that. We're on seven different platforms. And you, you'll also find our Twitter scrolling at the bottom of the website. If you don't have our Twitter account, you can kind of follow what we're doing and see the individual veterans who were, were touching lives. Um, and, as if, even, and if you send $5, $10, $20, just know that 98% of that is getting directly to that veteran. We operate in real time. Uh, and where that, you know, if they have utilities disconnects, we can raise the money and get it to them before they're disconnected so that they have continuous lights and water. Because you know what? That's a basic thing that we all need in, the, in our nation. And I think our veterans need to be put first. So find us on these media sites. Find us on our, our uh, website. And, and please support us. If you can't give, just share the missions. When you see the veterans rolling through, just put them on your platforms. Uh, buy a coffee cup. All proceeds, we do not take a paycheck from that either. Every single penny, we don't even do 2% on that. 100% of the proceeds of that merchandise goes to the veterans. So this really is a heart mission for veterans. Well, I hope all of our listeners uh, take a look at your website, Code of Vets. And I hope they consider donating some money if they can. And if they can't, maybe they can just help by spreading the word. Now, I have one lighthearted question for you. 
I heard your accent and I heard that southern laugh of yours and it reminded me of somebody that lives up in Smoky Mountain. Her name is Dolly Parton. <laughs> now I hear that you're also a resident of Tennessee, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've lived here off and on since 2008. But remember, I'm a mountain girl. I was born and raised in the mountains of North Carolina, so I've got that accent. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just there. I took my wife and the kids uh, to, to visit Nashville and Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. And unfortunately, we didn't get to meet Dolly Parton, but I've been in your state about six or seven times because it's one of my favorite places in America. And I want you to know that I absolutely love the people there and everything about the South in general. Heck, I'm even thinking of buying a vacation home up there in Smoky Mountain. Could you please tell our listeners from the West Coast and the East Coast what it's like to live in the South? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. It's I'm telling you, Southern hospitality is a real thing. My husband's a Buckeye, you know, born and raised in Ohio. And so I was on him when we were living in Youngstown, Ohio, after our service in, in the Air Force. And I, I, we were up there almost 13 years. I'm like, honey, I need to go home. <laughs> you know, because people in the North are not quite as friendly and open. And he was very hesitant because he had this image of what the South was. Mm-hmm. Right. So we moved down here to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and he absolutely fell in love with the people. Just you walk in the grocery store, you're greeted. And it's it's a heart like it's a heartfelt, you know, hey, how you, how y'all doing? You know, or is there if there's anything I can do, you come let me know. Come find me and I'll, I'll help you find whatever you need every single time you go. And so it's amazing. I love living here. I grew up, you know, grew up in the South. It's it's everything about it is beautiful. The the people embrace each other. We're very open and kind hearted. Um, you know, just everybody I know would just give me the shirt off their back. Um, just very genuine people. Um, and it's just, and uh, you know, of course the weather is great. You know, it's just I I can't imagine not living in the South. <laughs> Gretchen, I can't even begin to tell you what a pleasure it was having you on with us on the AJ Steele Show. And I want you to know how much I personally appreciate what you do for our veterans. I also want you to know that you're always welcome back on our show. And I wish you nothing but happiness and great success with your wonderful cause. Thank you. I'd love to come back and share some more stories. All I really want to be is a guy that gets a The AJ Steele Show, copyrighted 2022.